Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we're talking about Finn Balor as the new number one contender for Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. The women's tag team belts are finally a real thing. Bobby Lashley takes the Intercontinental Championship. That, and maybe an interview tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. Ditch that 9 to 5, it's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark, so welcome to the Band for Ringside Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagie, a.k.a. Handy Moore. And to... <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> to my right, as always, we have two beers, Zach Bullman. What's going on, Zach? Uh, I just wanted to uh, officially announce that uh, I have asked for my release from WWE. That's right. And uh, I'm on my nice. way to AEW. <laughs> to his right, as always, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, Jason? Allow us to pull down the latest volume of Band from Ringside, volume 91, chapter 3, verse 4. And the good smart saith hashtag boo the heels. It's all good, baby. Quick shout out to my girl Becky Balboa. I love you. Um, let's just keep this thing rolling. And to my left and his right, we have Murray the Murray Man. Murray, what's going on, Murray? Murray, he doesn't have a microphone. We're waiting for a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we are coming at you from the exquisite Shock City Studios in beautiful St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, we're waiting on something right now. Before we, uh, we got Sam the Muller Malter and the knobs tonight. Mr. Perfect's in the house. Uh, before we get too far into it, we got to remind you of that day ish sponsor, that day one ish sponsor, I should say, Soul Taco. That's Soul Taco, baby. That beautiful Mexican Korean fusion food that you never knew that you needed, but once you have it, you'll never have anything else. It's so good, guys. They have two food trucks driving around the St. Louis, Missouri area. They also have a place in the U City Loop. Chesterfield, Missouri, Columbia, Missouri, Champaign, Illinois, two places in Chicago, Illinois, uh, places coming up all over the world, all over the Midwest, at (laughs) least. Uh, Go get yourself some. They have them spicy pork burritos, them chicken quesadillas, all that good stuff. Uh, We're not lying when we tell you guys that uh, it's our favorite restaurant here from Banford Ringside. They're not only a sponsor, they're a friend of the show. Go to Soul Taco, tell them the band from Ringside sent you. So without further ado, let's get to our three count. I think about a year ago, maybe two years ago. No, it was last year. Um, we were trying to figure out who Brock Lesnar was going to wrestle for the Universal title at Survivor Series, and we had exhausted all kinds of avenues, and a certain name came up, and they passed this person over to go with Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar. But now, I think we might have come full, well, and there's no think to it. We've come full circle. Finn Balor not only had to beat Jinder Mahal, but then had to go on and beat John Cena, uh, Drew McIntyre, and everybody's favorite in the room, Baron Corbin, in a fatal four-way to earn his right to be the number one contender to face Brock Lesnar for the Universal title. So can't, you can't ask, believe he pinned Corbin clean. Just just can't believe it. Yeah, it's it's so surprising because <laughs> he's such uh, a main event player. Um, you ask, how did Finn Balor become the number one contender? I thought Braun Strowman was the number one contender. Alas, when you turn over Vince McMahon's 
uh, I'm sorry, you tore off the door first, bust open the window, and then proceed to turn over Vince McMahon's limo. Not only do you get fined $100,000, but now on top of it, you lose your universal title shot in K-Fame style. K-Fame style. Now, the backstage rumor is apparently the... Uh, elbow from Braun Strowman is not 100%. They had to go in and do some uh, quitting out of some bone chips or whatever the case may be from his elbow. So going into Monday Night Raw, it was questionable whether he was going to be a part of the main event or not. Obviously, by the time Raw came on the air, that decision was made. So now I guess my question, and I'll throw this out to you guys, is this. There's been a lot of pushback from Finn Bauer being the now new number one contender, and I understand that. I have a problem with this just because of the fact that we didn't have this big of a pushback with AJ. We didn't have this big of a pushback with Daniel Bryan. This is not, you know, real life. We're getting ready to fight to the death, you know. This is still professional wrestling, so there has to be a little bit of suspension of disbelief to this. What's the difference between... AJ, Daniel Bryan, Finn Bauer. Basically the same size, basically the same moveset. Daniel Bryan and AJ, more of a submission moveset. I don't understand what the problem is and why we have such this big of a pushback. Go. Wait, who, who's got a problem with any of this, though? Oh, there's a lot of people that have a, put, a problem with this. Are they Twitter, Twitter people? Uh, oh, yeah. Of course they're Twitter a problem, people. A problem with Finn Bauer? Yeah. With Finn Bauer, people. With Finn Bauer having a, having a realistic chance of beating... Um, not Baron Corbin, so, Brock, so, it, uh, so is the problem with Finn Balor having a match with I think Brock Lesnar, no, or is the problem? It's because of the obvious size difference. Oh, I, I, I haven't seen any of that. Uh, like you're much more extremely online than I am when it comes to the wrestling community. Like you're always, uh, you're you're fighting people online all the time, arguing with them. I I don't no, think no, that no, anybody. No. I don't think that I anybody debate. really has a problem with Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar because to me, Brock Lesnar always seems to have more fun and always seems to give it a little bit more oomph. When yeah. he's fighting somebody that's he much wants, smaller than him, he wants to fight those guys, and from he, what I've heard, and he sells for those guys. He, he sells so, for him. Yeah. He sold for Daniel Bryan. He sold for AJ Styles. Like those are two of the best Brock Lesnar matches of the last eighteen months, no doubt. So I don't have any problem with Finn. I obviously I don't have any problem with Finn Balor. <laughs> Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar to me is a much more intriguing, much more enticing match than. Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar. Here's my only concern is, um, I heard differently, I heard um, it didn't have anything to do with his elbow, it was that uh, Brock wanted to work with Finn, and also that uh, Vince didn't want uh, Strowman to lose again to Brock without giving him the title, and he doesn't want to give him the title. So my only problem is like, you just know he's not going over. You know, that's the only thing is like Finn is not going. Yeah, you got that David and Goliath thing. It'd be a much cooler story if there was any chance of him going over. But the the real question is like, what's what happens on Monday night after on Sunday night Finn loses? Like, are we still going to push this forward? And I think that Finn versus Bobby Lashley, and we'll get to Bobby Lashley in a little bit. But Finn versus Bobby Lashley for an Intercontinental title match at WrestleMania is a worthwhile endeavor for both those guys. Can both- we just do a podcast where you say Intercontinental? 
<laughs> did I say what did I say? I don't know, but it was funny. Intercontinental. <laughs> okay, there you go. Intercontinental. <laughs> Let that man live. Go ahead. Go Sorry. ahead, Murray. Sorry. Intercontinental. <laughs> <laughs> Share with the class. What are your thoughts about Finn Balor, uh, Brock Lesnar? Uh, I'm going to leave that up to when I when we get to predictions and I say who I think is going to win at Royal Rumble. Uh, are you okay with this? I mean, I, absolutely, absolutely. No, I, I like I said a couple weeks ago. I thought Finn was going to start getting the Rockets, even if he doesn't beat Brock at Royal Rumble. I don't think they're just going to throw him to the side afterwards. So, like you guys said, I'm kind of interested interested to see what they do after Sunday with all that. I don't know, man. I, I think I, we kind of agree that this is the one and done because I don't think you want to have – I don't I want to well, say the, that. The, Vince is not going to have Finn Bauer at anywhere near the top of the mid-card or the, I agree the main with that. event. So let's just get that off the table. I agree I just with wanted, that. I want to see this unfold. Just make it – Credible. It's, Don't make this a squash. Do what you you got the blueprint. It's not You've done be it a twice. Squash. You've done it twice. You can do it a third time. This is the one and done thing that you and I fundamentally agree disagree about, though, is that you thought that Samoa Joe was a one and done, and I think that putting Samoa Joe in a ring with Brock Lesnar and having him look credible. Like the only reason that Samoa Joe lost that match was because he made a mistake, and that was the that was the whole point of that match. The, the story of that match was that Samoa Joe made a mistake, and then Brock Lesnar capitalized on it, and then Brock Lesnar won. So I think they're going to make Finn Balor look strong. What would be the point of putting Finn Balor in a ring with Braun Str- with sorry with Brock Lesnar unless you were going to make Finn Balor look strong? You, you see how they did. Uh- Braun Strowman at least a couple of times. I mean... Yeah, but Finn Balor, they also have tip-over limos and shit like that. He always looks strong. I know. Did he just say Finn Balor? Was that just me just tripping? Yeah. Okay, did. all right, good. Okay. That's Finn sure. Balor? Yeah. <laughs> you guys... Did you guys miss that episode with Finn Balor tipped over a limo? I mean, I haven't been watching a whole lot of Raw lately, so... I know. I, know, I consider it my job. Right? <laughs> All I'm saying is, is that there, for whatever reason, and, and, and just making sure I'm not the craziest person in the room. Notice I said craziest. <laughs> if it's one no, of those dude, things, you are. <laughs> well, okay, as long as we're on it and consensus on it, I just don't get. Who else do you want to put up against Brock at this point? I mean, the options are slim to nil. You know Nobody, I, it's I perfect. Want him, him versus vacant. That's what I want. My, my, they can always win. <laughs> my biggest fear when John Cena came out at the beginning that of John Raw Cena was going to win. was that it was going to be John Cena versus uh, Daniel Bryan. Brock Le- no Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania or at Royal Rumble that they were going to overdo that thing again. I liked that John Cena came out. I liked that John Cena put over Finn Balor. Yeah, that's his job now. What bothered me was the thing afterwards where John Cena had to cut a promo putting over Finn Balor. I guess that Vince thinks, and maybe this is true for the majority of the audience, that uh, Vince wants John Cena to hold up Finn Balor's hand and say, this is the guy, this is the guy, because Cena lost clean in the middle of the ring to Finn Balor on a nasty-looking coup de gras. It wasn't nasty-looking that looked like it hurt. It was nasty-looking that looked like it's just a bad finisher. I mean, Jesus. it's it's the worst finisher. It is not. Finn Balor's. Is it the Shane McMahon punch of finishers? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Murray wants to get in. Let Murray get in here for 30 Go seconds. Ahead, Go ahead. Only thing I want to say about uh, Shane McMahon and The Miz is next time, flip the cake over and kick it into the man's face instead of to your new Jordans. (laughs) (laughs) We can talk about that later. (laughs) What I'm saying is the coup de grace didn't look very good. The coup de grace is a shitty finisher, and it was a... uh, I thought it was a little bit of overkill to have John Cena endorse Finn Balor in the middle of the ring at the end of Raw just because... Finn Balor already beat a former champion in Jinder Mahal, and then then Finn Balor already cut a mean ass promo in front of Vince McMahon at the beginning of the show, which was and then Finn Balor and then Finn Balor won a fatal four way, pinning John Cena in the middle of the ring. You don't need John Cena to come out there and say, "Hey, this guy's legit. This guy's legit." No, No, you'd be surprised. But he's already over, though. It's not who's over. Finn Balor. Okay. Finn Balor's over with the crowd. Okay. You agree, right? Yes. I mean, it does it like he's already there. You don't need John Cena to say, "Hey, this guy's legit everybody." It's not the Rock holding up Roman Reigns' hand the, at the end of the Royal it's the Rumble. Same thing. No, but it's, the it's same not thing. though. It, it is Vince McMahon giving his "Quote unquote seal of approval." Now, how far this seal of approval goes, I'm not saying he's going to win the the, the uh, universal title at the Royal Rumble. I'm just saying that you know, keep this in mind. Are you happy about yeah. Tim Balor having the number one contendership yeah, at Royal it, it, Rumble? I said it. I said it last year. Last year before Daniel Bryan. Well, last year it should have happened. Last year, yeah, I, that's I, what I'm guess, saying. I guess last should have happened. And I didn't. guess last year at Royal Rumble it was Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar versus Kane. Yeah, I don't remember that. That's because it was terrible. That happened. That happened. Since we've had a podcast? Yes, yeah, sir. That's why whenever I said Evolution was the best pay-per-view and he was like, what about Royal Rumble? I was like, dude, that was the main event. I do not remember that at all. Yeah, it was... Uh, like, I guess I blocked out my memory. Eh, you'd be surprised what you could block out your memory. <laughs> like years of abuse. <laughs> and that'll do it for our... No, we'll get to our two count. What you got, Zach? Uh, what are we talking about? Uh... I, I heard you want. I heard Bobby Lashley won the Intercontinental title. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't watch it, if you didn't watch it, do the women's tag team matches. Uh, I heard that there was going to be uh, women's tag team titles like coming up uh, pretty soon. I, don't know, I saw the belts online; they look pretty cool. Do you still want your job here? <laughs> I mean, Sam I'm losing Kenny them left and right. Right, <laughs> right. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Second time this week. <laughs> Coming in from the bullpen, right. Sam. Well, we can talk about ball, Lashley. Ball, ball. Uh, Lashley beat <laughs> Rollins and Ambrose in a uh, triple threat match. My specialty. Yeah, yeah buddy. How was the match? Well, the match was pretty good, actually. The match was really good. Uh, I think that this is a really good booking move for WWE because uh, the Ambrose-Seth Rollins feud does not need a title. Nope. No, it doesn't. And, uh, I mean, Lashley is no spring chicken. I mean, that dude is a fucking freak. He looks so good, like, physically. Uh, But he's, he's no spring chicken. And what is he? I think he was the eighth or ninth black intercontinental champion in history so uh you know pretty cool get him get a belt on him help maybe prop him up name him. leo roush doesn't wasn't definitely doing Rock. it 
No, I'm kidding. Don't name him. <laughs> Don't go name ahead. him. Just say shit. It'll take me all hour. Goddamn. So, you know, maybe this, uh, maybe this helps out. And, um, you know, because Lashley is a capable performer, but they, he's just all goofy. Uh, the booking is bad. So maybe it'll get better. Um, I said it on Twitter. I guess that was Monday night. If you're going to actually do the end game where it's Brock versus Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose doesn't need to have the Intercontinental title. He, I hate to say this word or this phrase, but he's bigger than that. Please enjoy this Verizon ring back tone while your party is free. <laughs> Joining us on the band from Ringside Podcast right now is a man that needs no introduction, but will give it a try anyway. This man is an entrepreneur, a producer, a New York Times bestselling author, and a legend in the world of professional wrestling, and host of the podcast 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, which will be live in St. Louis February 23rd at my personal favorite room in town, off-Broadway at the corner of Limp and Broadway. You can buy tickets at 83weeks.com. That's spelled out, 83weeks.com, and offbroadwaystl.com. Welcome to Band from Ringside. Eric Bischoff, how are you, sir? Pretty well. I apologize for being a few minutes late. I got my time zone screwed up, but uh, I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for calling. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, I know that you're a busy man, and I know that we only have a little bit of time with you. So um, we're excited to have you coming into St. Louis here in a few weeks. Um, before that, I, I wouldn't mind picking your brain on a few things going around. Uh, there's something going around in the wrestling community that's got it all abuzz right now, which is All Elite Wrestling. What are your thoughts on that brand new promotion that's popped up and is uh, setting the wrestling world on fire right now? I mean, I don't know a lot. Um, only what I read and what I hear from people that are you know close to the organization and some of the people in it. Um, Obviously, it's exciting. You know, you've got a, a, a funding partner, uh, an owner, if you will, in the Khan family that clearly are successful in sports and entertainment. Um, certainly have all of the resources they ever need to really take a run at, you know, establishing a, a viable number two uh, here in the United States. So I, you know, and, and Cody and the Young Bucks, you can't, you know, minimize what those guys have achieved without television. You know, that's the part that I keep, you know, shaking my head at, you know, in, in awe actually, um, is that, you know, back in September, they sold out a 10,000 seat arena in downtown Chicago or just outside of Chicago with absolutely no television, just on the strength of the online awareness and, and the streaming platforms that are available now. Uh, they did over a million dollars, I guess, in pay-per-view revenue. And they didn't do it the traditional way. They kind of broke the paradigm for what we have known, you know, for the wrestling business model for so many years. So, you know, one can't help but be excited for them. You know, I, I at the same time, I, I sit back and I, you know, I'm not watching it. And it's kind of fun to be along from along for the ride on the sidelines. But you know, you just wonder, you know, how it's going to play out a year or two years from now. You know, are they going to be able to navigate some of the same mistakes that others have made? Are they going to find new ones? Or are they going to be really smart and, and keep up the momentum they have and just explode out of the chute? So it's a, for me, it's, it's wait and see with a whole lot of uh, excitement and enthusiasm because they're really great guys. You know, I don't know the Khan family, and I can't really say I know Cody Rhodes well. I mean, I, 
you know, I knew when he was a kid when his father worked for me, and, and certainly as he got older and you know first came to WWE. But I never got a, you know, I never developed a real close personal relationship with Cody. But I know of him, and I've certainly followed his career for a long time. So I'm, I am very very hopeful and positive. So as so, as somebody that uh, you weren't at the beginning of WCW and you weren't at the beginning of TNA, but you were certainly there when uh, they were trying to make a footprint for sure. What do you think that AEW's biggest roadblock is? Well, you know, I don't know because I don't know what their business plan is. You know, um, I would I would assume I'm confident, you know, that a company is successful as you know the Khan family has uh, has a lot of really smart people working for them and managing money and and dealing with the business side of things. And I would assume that they've got a a, a business plan, uh, not that they won't change. Um, but I would assume they've got a great plan. Not knowing what that plan is, it's hard to say what, where the challenges lie within it. But I think in general, a challenge that anybody's going to have is to not be compared to the WWE. Uh, because that's a game you can't win. That's a, that's a challenge you can't win. Mm. So I think as much as they can differentiate themselves from the WWE brands, the more likely it is the audience will support them as an alternative the the closer they start to look and feel uh and act like wwe the harder that will be you know they're, they're in such a great spot now i mean they, they achieved so much phenomenal momentum this past fall and you know they're the rebels you know they're the underdog right and they have a bunch of money behind them too which is something that um can certainly help them it can hurt them too because you know when you're the underdog and you're the rebel, you know the last thing you know you want people to do is think that you're rolling in cash. You know you want people to get behind you. You want to maintain that underdog status, and it's hard to do that when you know everybody's talking about how much money you have. <laughs> right. Uh, I recently watched your uh, TED talk about why the news media is stealing from the pro wrestling playbook. And I found it to be very insightful, and I've shared it uh, with a few friends of mine. And I can empathize with it because I also see pro wrestling in a lot of different places in the world. For example, one time I was going to my in-law's house, and I asked my wife to just put me over with her dad. Um, is there is there anywhere else that you see uh, pro wrestling that plays out in in? in the general public, like in, in terms of people that may not watch wrestling? Um, I mean, not really, nothing comes to my mind. Nothing is, is obvious as, you know, the news because we're, we, we've all, you know, I put out a post this morning on my Twitter page that I thought was just funny. It wasn't you know, re- right wing or left wing or anything. It was just a funny post, or at least I thought it was funny. And, and so many people who follow me on Twitter, obviously they're all wrestling fans, so they wouldn't be following me, right? Right. But how sensitive people are, because we are all really bombarded in one way, shape, or form by news and current events. And you don't even have to watch a lot of news or be a news junkie like I used to be um, to, to fall victim to that, because you'll see it on late-night comedy shows. You know, the, the, you know, politicians have now, and they've been doing it ever since Bill Clinton showed up on a late night show and played saxophone, right? Everybody's been trying to kind of copy that formula, but it's just more and more and more of it. So no matter where you go, whether it's, you know, online, whether it's on Facebook, whether, you know, it's, you want to watch them, you want to get it, 
you're going to watch some comedy on late night TV, you're going to be drenched in political and current events kind of commentary. So it's just so hard to get away from it. But I, you know, I don't notice it in other things. You know, I, I think it, you know, it, it has a, a ripple effect, if you will, on sports. I mean, look what, look what happened to the NFL last year and, and to a degree this year. I mean, there's a big controversy over, you know, the, the, the ideological and political differences people have within who's, you know, who should sing in the national anthem or not. I mean, crazy. You know, right. I mean, even with Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather a couple of years ago, I mean, that clearly had a lot of pro wrestling uh, under or overtones to it. You know, it, it did. And, it's you know, I hate to use this as an example because I didn't pay close enough attention to it to um, reference it in detail. But just a, you know, a couple hours ago, I was going through my Twitter feed and um, there was a story about a UFC press conference. And I actually watched the clip of it. And I can't remember who the fighters were. You know, I, don't, I don't remember much detail, but it happened today. And it was such a horrible, I mean, profoundly horrible uh, press conference kind of angle between these two fighters. If, if, if we were to, or not why well, say we, I'm not in the business anymore, but if someone were to try to pass that, you know, stunt that they pulled in the UFC press conference today, if, if someone in wrestling tried to pull that off, you'd be you'd, you'd be laughed out of the business. It was that just magnificently horrible, um, and people copy it. But I think the, I think the news media has it down. I mean, they really do. You know, you've got two wrestling organizations. You know, basically, you've got the conserv you know headed by Fox, and then you've got the wrestling balls and all the other talk show hosts of you know around the country. You know, on one side of the ring. You know, in the, in the red corner. And in the blue corner, you've got everybody else. Right. Okay? National Public Radio all the way on up to NBC. And, and everybody in between. And they're in their respective corners. And they're constantly, you know, trash-talking each other in a very pro-wrestling-like manner. Um, in fact, probably dating back to 1998, I wouldn't be allowed to use commentary within the context of Nitro that we're now seeing political uh, people using today. They're all cutting promos. Cutting promos, and they're cutting promos that I couldn't get away with. You know, <laughs> towards the end of <laughs> right. Uh, Think about that. Think about that. That's crazy. It, it it's definitely crazy. We are living in the uh, we're living in the upside down. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. What do you think 2019 wrestling would look like? if the Monday night wars never existed. Oh, uh, that is so hard. I mean, that, obviously that's, you know, it's a hypothetical and I, I really try to avoid hypotheticals because there's just no, there's, there's no correct answer. Right. But, and look, I'm, I'm one more disclaimer here. I know I'm not being objective. I'm being subjective. Because I'm I'm answering this question from my own personal point of view. Well, I don't my want own you, I, don't, I don't want you on the show to be objective. I want you to be subjective. We want Eric Bischoff. All right. So here's the deal: if it wouldn't have been for Nitro, if it yes. wouldn't have been for the Monday Night Wars, you wouldn't be watching wrestling right now. In all likelihood, because the WWE was in a toilet until Nitro came along. All right, and that's not deniable. It is a fact. WWE was, was, was in a, you know, it's like when you flush the toilet and the water starts spinning around. Um, they were, 
they were in a toilet flush spin prior to Nitro. The business was flattening out. It wasn't a nosedive, but it was every every quarter numbers were getting softer. House shows were were horrible for WWF at the time. Um, they had to go overseas because they couldn't they couldn't sell tickets to the extent they needed to here domestically. So there were a lot of things going wrong with the business. It was just flat. Nitro came along, it changed the paradigm. It forced WWE to do things a lot differently. It forced them to, you know, uh, abandon the kiddie wrestling formula that they've been, that they made, they had so much success with. Um, the joints and, and, and the midgets and the, you know, Dennis and the you know, IRS agents and all these garbage men, all these groupy childlike characters that was, that really dominated you know, WWF up until Nitro, uh, were taking it down. And Nitro came along, as I said, WWF went, okay, let's do that. Let's abandon the kiddie market. I say kiddie market. I don't mean to sound that heuristic, but, you know, let's abandon this market. Let's go after males 18 to 49 because that's what Nitro is having success with. That's the audience, by the way, that the WWF abandoned when they embraced that, you know, teen and preteen audience. They, they built their show around a teen and preteen audience. They abandoned the 18 to 39 year old men, 18 to 54 year old men, because it was just too silly. Nitro, when, when I launched Nitro, I targeted that demo because they were underserved. Once WWE went, wow, they're killing us with that formula, they did the same thing with the Attitude Era. Right. They have a pretty raunchy, edgy, you know, pulling every rabbit out of the hat and pulling other things out of other things that they possibly could to try to get that audience to shift loyalty. And they did, and they did it really well, really well. They used Mike Tyson as a catalyst to do it. Can you imagine using Mike Tyson in a, in a, in a wrestling show today that's targeting towards kids? No. <laughs> no. It's insane. And I can personally testify that what you were doing worked because I watched wrestling until about age 10, and I didn't watch it again until age 18 when I was in college. And me and my college buddies, and we sat around and we drank 40s in the dorm rooms and we watched Nitro. That was the thing that we were into in 1998, 1999. Um, I know that you've been to St. Louis a few times. I know because I've seen you uh, in St. Louis a few times. Are there any personal memories from uh, your visits to St. Louis? Anything funny that happened that you can recall uh, from your trips to St. Louis? Other than stuffing my face full of some phenomenal food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and here's the deal. You know, when I would, you know, whenever I was in St. Louis, it's like, you know, get in Monday morning, do a show, head up Monday night or Tuesday morning very early. You know, it, you never really get a chance when you go into these towns. You know, I've, I've been to so many places. I used to have a map that I would put a little pin in, a colored pin, in every city that I've ever worked in. Until it got to the point where I just couldn't keep track of it anymore. But the thing is, you, you do all that traveling, you visit all these great places, and you're in and you're out. And the only thing you see is the inside of an airport, the inside of an airport Marriott, and an arena. We're looking forward to see you on February the 23rd. For people who may, might be fans of yours, but who have never listened to 83 Weeks uh, with Eric Bischoff, what can they expect from a live podcast with Eric and Conrad at Off-Broadway on February 23rd? Um, you, you're going to hear things you've never heard before about, about the wrestling business and some of the great characters and not-so-great characters in it. 
you're going to hear, you know, Conrad bust my chops in a way that you're not going to hear on the podcast. You're going to hear me react to getting my chops busted in a way that you're not going to hear on the podcast. It, the, the shows are funny, you know, they're informative. Um, they're almost a combat sport. <laughs> you know, so you get like right. shows in one, it's overbuilt. But, you know, the cool thing is this, I really dig doing them because the audience really dictates the flow and direction of the show. You know, the Q&A portion of the show is, is really the most important part. And that's where we spend the most time. But along the way, like I said, it's like half stand-up comedy, it's half storytelling, it's half fact-finding, and it's, it's almost like a boxing match between me and Conrad sometimes. So it's, it's kind of crazy. Well, everybody here in St. Louis is looking forward to it. You can buy tickets, like I said, on 83 Weeks. That's spelled out, 83weeks.com, offbroadwaystl.com. You can follow him at... At E. Bischoff, at Hey Hey, It's Conrad, and at 83 Weeks. Uh, your band from Ringside Buddies will be there. And I'll tell you what, um, the man that's opening the show for you guys is Randy Orton's little brother, Nathan Orton. Uh, and I have had the privilege of being the judge at a roast battle where he was one of the comedians, and he is a funny, funny guy. So everybody that's listening to this, Come on out to Off-Broadway on February 23rd to see 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Mr. Bischoff, I can't express to you how much, how nice it's been to have you on the show. It's an honor and a privilege, and I can't wait to see you in a month or so. Can't wait to be there. And I'm really excited to hear about Nathan. Uh, By the way, I've been hanging around with Nathan and Randy's dad quite a bit over the last six or eight months. So maybe we could get Bob to come down and uh, crack a beer and be a part of the show with us. That would really be fun. That would be great. I can't wait to meet you in person. Uh, thank you for coming on the show, and we will see you in a month or so. Hey, buddy. Thank you. Thank you very much, Eric. That's Eric Bischoff, everybody, coming on the Band from Ringside podcast. Uh, and that'll bring us to our three counts. <laughs> I think you have three count, buddy. Yeah, so the three count's going to be... <laughs> it's all Bill all night long, baby. Do your thing. The three count's going to be the uh, Andrade C and Almas versus Mysterio match, which uh, they have renamed Andrade C and Almas as just Andrade, which... Boggles my mind, man. That was one of the best names going. That was one of the best names in the WWE. But Andrade Cien Almas and Rey Mysterio had a 20-minute match. They showed about 14 minutes of it on TV. But I just watched it right before I came in, and it was... Amaze balls, unbelievable, right? I mean, that was that was a great match. Uh, Thoughts on the match, Jason? This is kind of what I was harping on. I guess it was when AJ Styles and Almas had their match, and I don't care what anybody says. I'm gonna call that man Almas. That that, his mama calling him Almas. I'm gonna call him Almas. Andre and (laughs) Almas had a really good match with AJ and. He couldn't get over. Well, I shouldn't say that. He didn't win the match. He got over, but just didn't get, he didn't go over. Better choice of words. Anyway, I was bitching about that. This is what I wanted to see because now it only 
gives him more credibility. Not only did he do it once, but now he's done it twice, twice clean. And like I said, as a heel, that all that does is now you have to look at him a little differently than you look at the Baron Corbins of the world that has to do the sneaky shit or or Miz that just be able that's just able to get over because I'm just smarter than you. Or in the case of Daniel Bryan, you know. I'm always one step ahead, but now you're thinking it like me. So now you're thinking it like me, and you're the, you know the you're world heavyweight champion. So I mean, it was to me, it was a big encompassing story to where now Almas needs to have this taken to the next level, whatever that next level is. It's probably not going to be for the the world heavyweight title, but a mid card run is not necessarily beyond the realm of possibility. I mean, you know, I love Rusev and everything, but. Rusev, almost, you know, I'd rather go with the hot hand at this point. But, I mean, Rusev is just getting ready to start his feud against Nakamura. So, I'm willing to get that a run for a sec. Let's see what happens. Uh, and as far as, like, Rusev and them, you know, they're, they're two completely different guys. They're both great wrestlers, but I feel like Rusev is, a, Rusev is more of a character at this point, or at least how they've been using him. Almas is going to crush. Like, I would love to see him be have a long intercontinental run. As far as the match was concerned, like, it was spot crazy. I was Damn. honestly extremely surprised at the amount of spots were in this match like the one with the hurricanrana out of the ring and he landed on his knees two canadian destroyers and yeah the two and then the power bomb to the outside i mean it was crazy it was like what i would consider to be a great nxt match it was it was damn near Lucha Libre, why you bullshit yeah exactly and there's a lot of people on twitter um that are saying that almas is quite possibly one of the greatest luchadors of our time I don't know. This might be better for the uh, the guy on my left on this one to answer this because I don't I don't watch a lot of Lucha Libre. I don't watch a lot of CMLL or anything like that. But I'll just I'll just say this: what we saw with him, him being Almas and Johnny Gargano, I think was kind of the the wake up call again. To I think that was my favorite match of last year. Right? That was the yeah. I, was I, gave, say, I gave it my beefer. Right? Yeah. I was going to say, I think that's that's the wake up call to give everybody, you know, that doesn't that didn't know who he was coming in. Okay, this is Andre Cien Almas. Now we've taken that, we've gotten him to beat Rey Mysterio not once but twice. Now you've given him credibility. What I really you like, you can put him against Rusev, and now you've got a good match. And that's what that's how you build both guys. What I really like thinking about, just talking about this match between. Mysterio and Almas is that you don't see well on SmackDown there's more than there are on Raw but every once in a while you'll see a great match on SmackDown and I really like that I know that Almas idolizes Mysterio he's probably been watching Mysterio I mean Almas is probably what 27 28 so he's been watching Mysterio his entire life I've been watching Mysterio my entire life and I'm 39 so Almas has been watching Mysterio his entire life, and, and I like that those guys probably got together backstage, and they were like, fuck it, let's do a 20-minute killer match, and they probably went to Vince or whoever, or Michael Hayes, Bro and they dogs. said, hey, they said, hey, dog, yeah. g- give us 20 minutes, and those guys delivered. Yeah, it was, like, it was amazing. I mean, it was a spot fest, but it was also, there was lots of uh, psychology in the match, and it was a smart-looking match, and Mysterio 
did the right thing and went out on his back. Not that, not that Mysterio was done, but Mysterio was there to put Almas over. Just like there were so many guys there to put Mysterio over in the beginning. That's right. the way that wrestling should be. That's what Jason Bell's been screaming in my ear <laughs> since 2005 or whatever. Take. Is that He's been screaming at me that that's what those guys are there for, and it worked out perfectly because it made both guys yeah. look good. Mysterio's obviously still got it. Yeah, and that's what I think the, the biggest thing is, is coming away from his all of his injuries. I think his last run with WWE was played with injuries coming down the stretch. But once you got him healthy again, he looks like Rey Mysterio again. He's just as good as he ever was, and he's hey man, in his fucking yeah, 40s. Just as good as he's ever been. I missed the beat. And I'll do this for our three count. F&B Eatery on the corner of 3453 Southampton, part of our Southampton Mafia. Um, you should see me there tomorrow. I want to try to get there every week, especially now when they have their brand new hours of operation uh, closed on Sunday and Monday, however. But starting on Tuesday through Friday, they are open from 11 to 8, straight through, no breaks, no anything like that. Then on Sundays, Saturday, Sunday, they're open from 8 to 2 once again again straight through just in case especially in a scenario like we've had over the weekend in inclement weather my suggestion is to follow them on facebook at fnb eatery at um what is it at eatery one on instagram as well so that way you can uh Make sure that they're open just in case of inclement weather and then on behind the scenes stuff, um, just daily specials, features, all that other good stuff. So go in, check them out. 3453 Southampton F&B Eatery. Tell them JCB sent you. They posted those pictures on uh, Facebook yesterday that I shared. Those burgers look fire, so you better hit me up tomorrow when you go. So I was going to say um, I'm ready. two-ish. All right. Okay. So I was going to say perfect. Th- I want to get there before I go to work. God forbid we get snowed in again over the weekend. Those patty, that those burgers look ridiculous. No, they're, they're uh, the smash burgers are off the chain, mm. man. This is good. I say if you haven't had it, you can go ahead and thank me now and be done with it. <laughs> when it comes to burgers, I only smash for this sure. Is That's right. More ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> Make my burgers look like donuts. <laughs> All right, Uh, we got some odds and ends. Did you guys watch the (laughs) Coffee Pete Dunn match from NXT Takeover Blackpool? Yeah, the whole Takeover was good. Um, Great, like we had a Finn Balor, uh, you know, surprise uh, where he fought Jordan Devlin, who's his mentee um, student. Uh, You know, just a great show, top to bottom. Really enjoyed it. That NXT UK crowd is so hot. I mean, it's a smaller venue. That British, like, I saw this with the Defiant episode uh, earlier this week uh, where Pac and David Starr were the main event. That that British crowd is just has a totally different vibe than, like, American crowd. They're crazy. And, the, like, the singing Man, and that, that, all Vin, that, that Vince chant. Is oh, so, uh, Vince, are you watching? Hey, you, Vince, oh are you watching? So They're good. so good over there, it's, man. It's, it's so original to the point where it makes me, as an American fan, we ought to be ashamed oh, of ourselves. Oh, we went from like the Attitude Era where you had all kinds of signs and just, you know, we didn't try to take over, but we were a part of it. Now we try to hijack now, it and make it about us where the British fans are just Adding to to the fucking level of the fucking Uh, uh, event itself. I'm also into the Samoa Joe Mustafa Ali feud. I'm not mad at that either. Yeah, yeah. That 
that seems like fun. I think that we're getting to a Shane Miz feud for the <sighs> WrestleMania. That's also cool. Uh, uh, we have the women's tag team belts that are going to be taking place in in an elimination chamber which is a match that uh, has no tags, so I'm not sure how that's going to work. Heavy machinery is going to win. Two, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Hot take. James Elworth is going to manage them. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're I, putting two girls in the in each chamber. Yeah, so come out. yeah I mean, no, but there's no tags in the elimination chamber yeah, match. You like can't a, tag somebody be, in. It's like one of those all. money machines where they put the money in and just <laughs> and the bills just fly around. It's just going to be uh, female wrestlers, though. I was, I, I, I think that they're trying, <laughs> yeah. I think that they're trying to do something with the way that they're introducing NXT talent now. Uh, it doesn't seem to be working, but I appreciate them trying something different. Like, Nikki Cross has shown up on both shows. Nikki Cross can be a big star. I, I wish that they were hook her back up with Sandy. If, if, if you're booking the territory, does she belong on Raw or SmackDown? Go. After, before or after WrestleMania? WrestleMania right, season. Right now. If you have to put her on one Raw. or the other. Raw. Raw, Raw. Nikki Cross, Raw or SmackDown? Raw. Raw. I Raw or SmackDown. SmackDown? I say SmackDown. Go ahead. Uh, Oscar. I mean, Smack, SmackDown's so SmackDown's. I mean, the the SmackDown's so stacked though. Let it, let it be better. Just let it be better. Let yeah, Raw die. Ra- the reason it's either that no, or you no, put her against no, Ronda Rousey. No, don't let Raw die. Have Nikki Cross versus Ronda Rousey at some time. Right. See, the thing is, I think with with Nikki Cross, I I pick Raw only because she could fit either way. She's gonna go over somewhere, but Man, Raw Smackdown's needs so packed. Raw needs. Uh, more Nikki some, Cross some, yeah, Can I say something Ronda else? Rousey? Can I say something no, else about the, no. about the uh, women's tag team titles? Yes. Put it on the Iconics. First. <laughs> yeah, for sure. First. I could go first, with that. I could put go it on it. the Iconics. Let Sasha and Bailey lose and let them chase. And then, and then go with the feud that we've been teasing for about a calendar year, give or take? Because if you don't, then what? Like, if you give it straight to, to, to right, you can't Sasha give to the and faces. Bailey, you can't give it to the faces first off. You got to give it to the heels. I, right? I don't disagree. And the Iconics are over no matter what. So, like, I, it's not going to hurt anything. And, and they're good. They're a little corny. They're a little cornier now than they used to be on NXT, but I they're like good. It though. They're exactly but, what they should be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think they're great comedic heels. Um, there seem to be a couple of uh, I don't know how to explain it. Adult themed <sighs> storylines. <laughs> you, to to you see what I did on, on Twitter? I'm you about like to go that? JCB on no, this I, show. I, I didn't, but yeah. you ain't gonna there, do JCB. There was the Mandy Rose Jay Uso thing, which was dumb. And then there was the Alexa Bliss thing, which seemed really out of, like, there was no reason for it to have a guy walk in Alexa Bliss. Plus, when Mandy Rose exposed herself to Jimmy Uso, she was wearing more clothes than she wears to the ring. People, yeah. people, it was just black and lacy. They yeah. were because of the scenario they were put in. Now everybody's talking about how they're going back on the women's division and how evolution is now the de evolution because two segments in one nah, week nah, showed nah. some sexuality. And everybody's in an uproar about how they're disre- they're they're throwing the women under the bus now. All of a sudden, no, might as no, well get rid of the whole no. thing. They are though. That's all over everything right now. Is well, everybody's I, throwing a fit I, I, about? I, this I wouldn't shit. agree with that because I don't you, either. You have been, well. Let me yell at the straw man. Then is that there's no reason <laughs> there's no reason to say that because Becky Lynch and Asuka and Charlotte are leading off yeah. and sometimes finishing every single SmackDown. Becky Lynch Ronda is the Rousey, most- Ronda Rousey with. 
Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, Becky Lynch is the most popular wrestler in the company right now. Right, well, uh, yeah, and, no matter what. And with, with Brock Lesnar being gone, Ronda Rousey's title all of a sudden is the most prestigious title on Raw. For so sure, it's a goddamn shame. Listen, I'm not here to marginalize women any more than anybody else. I'm just saying that th- there is room for this stuff. Yeah. It's just dumb. Well, they, they didn't use it. Like, okay, at least with Mandy Rose, there's a storyline connected to it. I agree. Whether how good or bad it is, but the, the, the right. Bliss thing didn't make any sense. If that was Vince they, McMahon doing something back in the day. If only they put this much but. thought into other undercard right. stories. Right. Oh, yes. But, okay. they, <laughs> but adding a little sexuality oh. to women in wrestling is not degrading women. And that's what apparently is the whole thing about this right now. This is banned from ringside. Hey, everybody, we know there's tons of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you listening to our podcast. For birthdays, we have Ted DiBiase, RIP, would have been 65. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, he's alive? He's alive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I figured out what shirt I'm going to make him now. I was just going to say Bill Beggy, RIP. Did you guys think I was serious? Did you think I was serious? No. Oh, no. I, at this point, I don't believe anything you say. Batista oh, is no. 50. Mark Briscoe is 34. Pat Patterson, the architect of the Royal Rumble, is 78. Our truth is 47. Tyler Breeze is 31. Carl Anderson with his hot Asian wife is 39. <laughs> that's what he says, that, guys. That's what he, does. That's that's what what he, he says. says. That's what he says. Maurice is 36. Tully <laughs> Blanchard is 65. And for Shock City Studios, check. for Sam Mall, Mr. Perfect's in the house, check. For Soul Taco, check. For F&B Eatery, check. For Eric Bischoff, check. For Thank you, Mr. Bischoff. For 38 weeks. No, 83 for weeks. For Jesus hey, Christ. Hey. <laughs> 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 it's for World. You didn't brother. believe him, did you? For Bernie yeah. the Murray Man Murray. Check. For Tubi or Zach Bowen. For JCB. I check. am Bill Bacon. <laughs> and everybody <laughs> boo the heels. <laughs> Jesus. I'm dyslexic. <laughs> No breaks, no breaks! <laughs> Sorry, Eric. <laughs>